The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we talk with Veronica Vilhard, class of 2019 graduate from OPDD and footwear designer on the innovation team at Under Armour. We talk about her transition from college to designing full-time, the impacts of COVID on her work, and her day-to-day as a designer. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase. And joining me today is one of our alumni, Veronica Vilhard, um, alumni of the OPDD program, class of 2019, um, who is now a footwear designer for the innovation team at Under Armour. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to, good to see you. Good to talk to you. Um, it's, it's just nice to, to talk to, you know, student, former student, graduated, and now working in the industry. Um, you know, we've wanted to do this, um, just kind of like alumni check-ins with people. Um, and then especially with like COVID and everything going on, we thought, you know, this would be a good time to just check in and like see how you're doing and see what's going on and um, you know kind of what's happened since graduation which a lot has happened so thanks it for has on. it's like really only been a year <laughs> yeah so 2019 what what's happened since then what have you been doing well uh, since 2019 you know I graduated I had a fantastic summer in Utah did a little road trip on my way to Portland when I accepted this job with Under Armour. And I've been working in Portland for Under Armour since the beginning of August. But for the past, I think it's been five months now or something. Um, we've been locked down and quarantining. You know, I worked at, I worked from home for about three or four months, but then decided, uh, I could work from home anywhere. So I've come to St. Louis, Missouri to work from home, 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 like with the family where I'm from. (laughs) Work from home, home. Yes. So you were, so the footwear team is based in Portland. So that's where you've been since August. And then Mm -hmm. the company kind of locked down, it was March, right? Like Mm mid-March. So you were working from home and um, in Portland for a couple months and then you've you're, you're where you're at right now. So, um, how's that been for you? Like overall, how's like COVID, I mean, that experience, like working from home, like everything getting locked down. What, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, I, I think for like so many people and for you, it, it all happened kind of in the blink of an eye here in America. Um, And it it was kind of trickling in for us, especially, you know, when you're a product and you work with product, um, you're working with Asia a lot. So um, our ability to make prototypes and get samples back started slowing down probably a month or month and a half before we even started entering quarantine because our teammates in uh, Taiwan or in China um, were we're being, we're quarantining before us because that's, you know, where it all started and broke out. Um, so, so then when it actually came to us, it, it was, uh, I think they were just starting to kind of reopen a little bit in China. So, so we switched roles. Um, it's kind of reversed and, and now, now we're at home and still at home. Let's go back and and talk about like pre COVID things were normal. Like what was it like working at the company pre COVID? Cause you were able to do that for a few months before work from home and, and everything happened. What, what's that experience like for you? What was the day to day? You know, um, I like to think of it as like my first 
big girl job, I guess, um, where you're commuting to work, there's a salary, there's, you're working nine to five and all this stuff. And um, I, I moved to a brand new city as well. So, you know, building uh, friend groups and um, just getting comfortable in your new environment. Um, but working at Under Armour in Portland, it's a, it's a much smaller office than the headquarters in Baltimore, Maryland. So, and, and you visited, you were there, you saw that we have about like 100 or so um, teammates, as we call them, um, at our office in Portland. And it was, uh, it was nice, you know, I was biking to work for a little while and uh, until it started to rain a lot in Portland, then I, I kind of got off the bike and I started driving. Um, and I had a, a desk with my other team members in innovation and I would go to the concept center and our, our like lab, our concept creation lab where we had um, sewing machines and laser cutters and 3D printers. So my process was much more hands-on, you know, like when I was um, in the office and, and in a physical space with, you know, all of my other coworkers in that same space too. If you had a question, you know, I just walk over to the materials or um, walk around the corner to uh, my manager or, you know, go sew something up really quick. And, uh, and that was, that was a really good like learning environment. Um, I, I like to learn in, in very hands-on ways and ask a lot of questions and just hop in on meetings and, and things like that. So I think then when it started to transition to like working from home, um, some of those objectives, like my learning objectives, which were much more hands-on focused, have changed to focusing on my digital skills and my uh, emailing abilities and my my ability to use Zoom and WebEx and any other number of virtual collaboration tools. You know, you have to learn how to communicate in a different way. Um, and so it, it's definitely evolved just in the last few months. What were some of the, I don't know, like going from graduation to going into that first full-time, like real job, like what was some of the, what was going through your head? Like, were there any big shocks or like wake up calls or, um, you know, what, what, what was kind of running through your mind? Like those first, you know, the first month on that job, it sounds like there was a lot of new things, right. And learning how to, how to communicate in different ways with different people, um, maybe having more tools at your disposal, like, um, being surrounded by mentors. Um, I guess what, what were some of the big differences, um, you know, when you, when you came into that first full-time role? Yeah. Yeah. you know, like the differences, my, my point of reference is college and school and the community that I built for a number of years. And you, you know, like when you go to college, you, um, you kind of inserted into, a community and a group of friends and it, and it almost, it works fairly seamlessly, you know, because you're all going to same classes, same schedule, same age, you know, same perspective in a lot of ways. Um, even if you're coming from a a lot of different places. So then when I moved to Portland, um, which I've done this many times and you know that I've, I've jumped from Missouri to Kansas by on my own. And then from Kansas to Utah on my own, Utah to California, uh, by myself again. And then, you know, I was like, oh, what's the big deal? It's another, you know, new town. I've done this three times before. I can do it again. It was different <laughs> this time. You know, it was, I think it was different because it wasn't, it, there wasn't that college bit in it anymore. You know, it's that first year out of college. Um, and I had heard from a lot of my friends who had graduated the year before me they're like man this is it's tricky like this first year is hard and they were going through it you could say um I was like I think I'm gonna be fine I can't wait to graduate I'm gonna handle it so well I will be free (laughs) and instead the freedom was very exciting but also a little overwhelming certainly I think that's just a part of graduating and entering the 
the real world or the corporate kind of world or starting your career, things like well, that. The, the course is no longer set for you, right? Like there's this clear yeah. path of like, oh, you go through school and then you, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, go to a college, four years. And then, I mean, it's just kind of the, the path is, you know, it's, it's wide open after that. Um, oh, yeah. And then even when you're in a career, it's like you're in that career, but it's still kind of wide open, right? There's, there's no clear path after that necessarily, but um, can you talk a little bit about like the, like your position and working in innovation? You mentioned the transition of like going from in office work to home was different because you're, you're working on like much more hands-on projects and a lot more prototyping. And is that, is that like unique to innovation and to that team? Can you talk about that team and, and uh, yeah. kind of your position? I think that it's unique to innovation sometimes in some ways because we have time. We have more time sometimes. Um, the time cadence, in, Yeah. Time in that, like the products that you're working on are like, further out right exactly so there's the innovation team um and then there's the inline team and inline is working on like an 18 month cadence or so and every um 18 months you have a new season new product that you're you're designing the next thing that will come out exact in a predictable way in 18 months um, so you start that design cycle and you go through development and then through um, execution and marketing and sales and all of that. So um, in innovation, it can vary, you know, maybe it's two years out or a, a five year long project that your, your idea may or may not um, hit the market, but typically some aspect of it influences the inline designers projects. Um, so in innovation, uh, a lot of our team, like my teammates are digital uh, designers. They're incredibly skilled with 3D modeling techniques and developing their ideas through Rhino and Grasshopper and, and creating these like virtual models of um, their ideas. It's just like if I were to sketch because I'm, I'm fairly more of a 2D designer, you could say, or, or especially using my um, knowledge of sewing, which I learned from outdoor product design. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, that's my skill for communicating my ideas. A lot of my teammates on innovation uh, use, you know, their ability to 3D model um, their ideas and communicate them that way. So it's like me creating a, a sketch render of a shoe, um, they'll create like the render of a shoe that you can then rotate 360 and see the whole thing, which is pretty amazing. And I'm trying to learn as many tricks from them um, using Blender or Rhino, gra Gravity Sketch, stuff like that. Which um, has probably been kind of fun for you to just experiment and learn new tools and um, yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, like, I feel like sometimes you feel, at least I think this way, it's like, oh, you graduate and then you get into a, into a job and you're done learning. Right. But it's like, if you're not, oh if you gosh. don't continue to push yourself to learn new tools, you get left behind in a way. And, and it seems like a cool place to, to be able to work, you know, at Under Armour where you're surrounded by other people who can teach you and you can learn new tools. And how important is that to continue to push yourself to learn new things, even though you're not in a formal, you know, education program anymore? Um, yeah. Like how, how important is it to have like the self-discipline to, to go and push yourself to learn new things and new tools? Um, oh man, I think it's so important. And I think it's especially a part of the innovation process or being a designer or creative thinker in innovation in any innovation team. Um, because sometimes you're going to have these big ideas that the tool or the manufacturing device, it might not exist. The way of making it might not exist quite yet. So you have to sometimes, um, 
learn other tools or find ways of making this idea that you have. Um, some examples even of that are a lot of the very organic forms that are coming out and like 3D printing of um, souls or creating these computer generated um, like uh, plates for cleats. Um, those things were developed through um, an architecture, an algorithm used for like architectural engineers um, where it's like parametric modeling or I'm not sure if parametric modeling is exactly associated with like the computer generated designs, but it can create a map of where you need the most strength and where you don't need as much material, where you need more, where you need less and, and kind of populate your design. And, and then you get this really organic and beautiful, beautiful, um, a product or structure or something that's now that was used for maybe a building, but now it's being applied to footwear. So you have to think outside of just what are the tools used in footwear or whatever and, uh, and branch out to these other areas. I think that's why in innovation, we also have a lot of teammates who aren't from the footwear industry necessarily. They come in from outside sources. Like one of my, um, one of my coworkers, he was designing toys before this. And he was using a different kind of 3D modeling that they use for like toy design. And he has applied that knowledge to modeling shoes and his, his skill set is so unique and the outcome of his work is um, it's incredible. And it's because he has kind of this outside knowledge. He can come at the problem from using a different lens or coming at a different angle. So you can then come up with these ideas, which are, um, you know, more disruptive or unique and interesting. In, in our history series that we've been doing, um, we've talked about different founders in the outdoor industry um, and, and those who like really drove like change and innovation and like maybe had a different background. Um, like one in particular is Jack Stevenson, who started a company called Warm Light. And um, he, he was an aerospace engineer who started mm -hmm. to bring like more, um, you know, aerodynamic designs to tents. You know, largely up to that point, it was A-frame tents, and he created one called the elliptical arch. That was like it was an aerodynamic tent, and no one had really seen that. But he was able to bring that because of his, you know, different perspective. Um, you know, he didn't come, you know, from the outdoor industry. He kind of came outside, um, which I think is is kind of what you're speaking to. And and I think at the core of it is just like trying to be a curious person. Um, and and from your perspective, like. How do you develop that as something that you already have? Because um, at some point, right, there's not always going to be someone there who's saying, oh, you need to learn this tool or you need to learn this thing. Or, um, you know, so a lot of that has to be like self-motivated. Mm -hmm. How do you develop that curiosity to, to just look for insights or look for interesting things from all over, not just the one industry that you're working in, but in design in general? I think... Um I think I personally have been very curious um, person and I like research and I especially like asking the question that so many of my, you know, so many people like to ask on our team, why it's, that's just the classic question you need to ask is, is why is it like this or, or why does, do we use that material or why is it three pieces rather than one or, or something like that, or why is it not more? So you have to kind of question everything. Um, you gotta be a questioner, a curious questioner. And, um, and I think we live, I get to work in an environment where that, is, that culture is fostered, um, a culture of like curiosity in a lot of ways, where um, value discoveries and, and stories of research and, and what you've, you know, found through going through the process that can take time. Um, 
whether you're talking to an, a new athlete or researching moths or, or um or trying out a new tool and and sharing what you kind of discovered and learned from it so so we we definitely i think still because of that extra t- a little bit of longer timelines that we have in innovation um we make time for the research and the the questioning and the exploring and, and that's really exciting to be a part of um something like that you know where the pressure the pressure is there but it's there's just so many conversations so many so much brainstorming so much silliness but also like direction to that you get out of that it's very it can be it can be a very playful process which i think leads to playful and like joy inspiring product um and of and I, and I value that side of um, problem solving, designing, and, and things like that. that. I think those are like good lessons, especially not only for people who are already in the industry, but current students. So any current students take note, um, you know, <laughs> take that time to do the research and ask the questions before you dive headlong into making something that, that you think needs to exist. Like, yeah, go on a crazy time. tangent, you know? Yeah what what <laughs> you can almost frame you might think oh i'm procrastinating or this doesn't work but um maybe going on that weekend backpacking trip with uh like a school backpack instead of your great backpack or with the hyperlight if you're trying to design something wider or or trying to just i don't know just go do something go play and then and see what you discover in that kind of in those environments. Right. No, I think that's great. Um, so COVID breaks out, the company has you start to work from home. What was that transition like for you? Um, going from that office life, that camaraderie, you know, the unintentional, like, you know, you run into someone at the office and the conversation happens and, and things happen from there, you know, um, you know, you lose out on some of that being at home. Um, yeah. what, what was that transition like, um, working on a team, but having to do that apart? You know, the transition was very abrupt and I think still transitioning, even at, I think I discovered something as well. Um, even just now, like maybe this week, um, where it's all sinking in and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm kind of a, a designer working remote, like all of us are now. And started just to process more of this even five months later, you know? Um, but you know, at at the start we, it it was just the only direction was, you know, go into the office, you know, schedule time, let, let our facility manager know that you're going so we don't have too many, too many people there grab whatever you need, whether, so I, I grabbed my Cintiq, this 22 or 24 inch Cintiq Wacom, giant um tablet for drawing and using illustrator and hooking my computer up to um i took that weeks later probably two weeks later because i was trying to do all of my work just from my laptop um at home and i was also sitting on my office chair at at home the one that i just had at home i didn't it was just like a plastic white chair and from all of the scrunching and all of like the using the touchpad, I feel like I developed carpal tunnel and a hump on my back. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> so I realized, okay, I need my, my tablet and I had to grab my office chair as well. Um, I miss my standing desk very much, but those were things I just had to do. And uh, very quickly my apartment turned into uh, an office space and a workshop. There was one week where, you know, I've got, I had my tablet going, I've got my office chair. I pulled out the sewing machine on the dining room table. I had a computer tower with my, my VR headset, Oculus Rift in the living room. And I, I was just like, I commandeered the whole apartment and turned it into like the second Portland headquarters (laughs) for Under Armour. It was ridiculous. Um, but just what you have to do. Um, so the transition has been trying out a lot of new tools to 
better collaborate. Um, and, and I think we've, we're starting to hone it, hone in on that a lot more. I'm much better at um, using Zoom and WebEx and um, setting it all up and, and communicating through email. And there's so much less awkwardness with it. I think before for a lot of teammates, it was just like, I don't want to show my camera or I, I can do this or it would lag or there'd be so many technical difficulties, but now it's pretty seamless. Um, and we've gotten into a really good way of working. Like right. This. Yeah. I think everyone's trying to figure out that home office setup and I think that's going to continue to evolve and change. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm producing more of like, you know, these video series and podcasts. And so I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm learning a lot more about lighting and, you know, like figuring out how to do some of that and producing. And, and I think everyone's kind of doing that to a degree. It's like, how do I produce my, my videos a little bit more? And, Oh, you know, what, what's my ideal office set up with my Cintiq or, you know, getting the VR had, you know, set up and getting the right chair, like things that you just take it, you know, for granted, at, at work. Now we're all having to try to simulate that experience at home. Um, what, what, what have you missed about like the in-office experience? I, I think there's a few things. Um, I, I probably, I do miss having people, my coworkers to talk to coworkers who aren't just my roommates. <laughs> you know, you start to get a little stir crazy at home. Um, but I, I definitely miss those conversations um, that we would have. There's so many really inspiring people who work at Under Armour at the Portland office. And uh, whether you're going to grab a coffee or you meet them in the concept center and they're working on something and you get to talk about, you know, the projects they're working on or impromptu um, little sketching pro tips on how to use Procreate better or those, those kind of things I definitely miss. Um, I think I also miss the, and I've said it before, but just the having the sewing machine there and the laser cutter and being able to make things. Um, that's so much of how we learned how to design during school at outdoor product design. Um, and, and it's so ingrained in my process that to not have that and, and also not be even honing my skills even more because I'm not from footwear, you know, my, I, I was designing apparel and backpacks and, and hard goods. Um, and I did take a footwear design class and, and can sketch shoes very well. But so this year I've really been having a part of this year is learning how shoes are built and made and manufactured and not being there hands-on and, and watching videos or having zoom meetings with um, developers to learn or looking at materials through a screen. It's, it's not quite the same um, learning um, that I was expecting to have this year, um, especially with travel um, not being uh, a thing right now. <laughs> um, there, there won't be any travel to Asia to our manufacturing partners or to our innovation office in uh, Taiwan. Um, I, I don't foresee that happening for another half year at least or until there's a vaccine. So, so that's something, you know, we wrote our goals down for the year, maybe, and submitted them maybe a week or two before everything changed. And just this month, we had to rewrite our goals um, everybody in the organization because they're just not relevant really not all of them are so much anymore um, yeah some of those yeah. just go completely out the window because we're living in a whole new world right mm -hmm. playing by a whole new set of rules right oh yeah um how, what are some of the workarounds that that you've been able to to you know find uh, you know we're in a uh, like especially you know, in the world that you're in where you're developing physical products, like to be doing that separate from people, um, you rely so much more on, on communication tools, um, you know, just so many different tools to communicate the ideas that are in your head. And, um, you know, everyone we've talked to recently, like has had that same issue, right? It's like, how do we look at a sample, like where we can't all do that in the same room? Like, we all have to send that to each other separately and we write yep. down our feedback and then we get together and talk about it. Like what are some of the workarounds that you've found um, 
you know, especially in this world of making physical goods. Yeah. Um, I think that same one that you highlighted about having a sample and you need maybe five different parties to see it and and feel it and maybe even try it on. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, either it's being mailed around to different people or we go into the office at different times and alternate and then it's cleaned and sanitized and you do it again. So that that's one that's not been like super ideal. But um, when I design like a, a 3D model of a shoe sole, um, I've, we have um, a 3D print technician on, camp, on campus in our building. It's not a campus, it's just a building. But, <laughs> um, and he will deliver it or mail it to anyone who needs it. And honestly, that has been a really great process. Um, it's kind of nice to have a sample arrive at your front door and you can immediately see it and use it and, or maybe even try it on, go for a run if it's not a 3D print, if it's actually coming from Asia. And, and that's kind of cool um, to get it at your front door sometimes. Um, and so we found that process to be Mostly okay. If it needs to go to multiple people, that's when it gets tricky. Um, I think other workarounds, though, that have been kind of exciting um, that I can foresee carrying into the future as, as we're trialing it out. And this time, it's like, okay, how can you, in theory, have uh, five people in the room and all seeing the same uh, sample? And, and we've been working with Gravity Sketch, um, which is a, a VR, virtual reality sketching um, software that is compatible with uh, VR headsets. And our team, we're using like Oculus headsets, whether it's the Rift or the Quest. And we started this a few weeks. We actually started it before um, this whole um, working from home thing, but when you know we had to actually start working from home we found a new uh use for the um virtual reality sketching space and that was this co-create kind of um place that we can go to where all of us can enter the same virtual room and be and talk to each other and where you look like this floating goggles and floating hands or with like a pen and you can sketch on the same things. We can create a virtual concept room and board and we can actually 3D model and work on the same 3D model at the same time. And like the first time that um, I hopped in there with my boss and my um, coworker, John, uh, we spent an hour in there 3D modeling and learning this new um, sketching technique and talking to each other and I felt like I had actually hung out with my my teammates um, for the first time in a long time and and that was really cool you know you just like feel like you socialized and you become very aware of what it feels like to socialize and not socialize and we all have in the past like five months but that's been the coolest thing is working with these this virtual reality space as being maybe an option as it becomes more robust. Um, well, it seems like VR for a long time, as long as it's really been around, seems like it's like a nice to have. It's a nice to have, or it's kind of goofy. You know, yeah. if you see someone wearing a headset, everybody totally. was very um, sell. Uh, they didn't want to be, they were insecure wearing the right. headset like at work, at your desk, and you're totally. just like yeah. in your zone there, you know. But I think now, it's like, no, this this is worth getting over some of that insecurity because it's actually a really powerful, strong tool. Totally. I think we're starting to realize like the use case for, for VR, like and some yeah. of the real applications, right? Um for for its use. Like I, I think, yeah, it's been a fun fun tool to experiment with, but it seems like there's some real practical applications, you know, when we're forced to be apart, right? Like we start to discover, oh, okay, this we could actually use it for this thing. Um, yeah. and that's cool to, to hear from your perspective that it's like, you know, it's not a perfect, um, replacement for in-person, ex you know, an in-person experience. Like, you know, I, 
it'll take a lot for it to probably replace that experience, but um, to be able to feel like a closeness or feel like you had a conversation and feel like you were hanging out with someone or working in, you know, close together, but that's pretty, that's pretty significant. That's yeah. big. The meetings that you have in a virtual reality room versus the meetings that you have over zoom, um, it, it's very different. Right. Oh, I bet. I mean, and that it's, it's interesting cause you can always screen share, right. And like show, Oh, here I'm like, I'm sketching something out or here's me designing something, but it's just that other layer of like being fully immersed in, and you see the other people, even if it is just floating hands pointing right? at something or they yeah. have a comment and they can show you exactly where it is or sketch something up like Pictionary style. That's really cool. Uh, it, yeah. It's super fun. Um, which, which we talked about this the other day. It's like now you're going to become the master of Pictionary. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's kind of what designers do, you know, tech packs when you send the, your ideas to, or you're trying to share your ideas with anybody, you're, you're really create, it's, you're playing glorified Pictionary um, because maybe there's a language barrier or, um, or just you have to communicate what you're thinking in a very compelling and clear way. So pictures, you know, speak louder are worth a thousand words or something like that. I, I feel like this whole experience is like hitting home more and more that like the job of a designer is to be able to clearly and effectively communicate these amazing ideas that you have. Like designers have really cool, innovative ideas and think differently. But if you... A lot of people know, have really cool ideas and think differently. Right. Designers have that as well as the ability to bring it into reality, to material... Yeah to materialize it. Right. So being able to take those ideas, but communicate them through different tools. Right. And so that, I think that's been hit home to me even more recently. It's, you know, because of these barriers that have been created, like distance between, between each other um, and having to learn new tools to be able to communicate ideas. Like, I think that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, that's the difference between someone who has great ideas and someone, a designer who can like communicate those ideas to someone else. Yeah. In a way that they can understand. Um, and like, I just think it's so impactful and important that you continue to learn like different ways of communicating, right? It's not just sketching. It's not just 3d. It's, it's not just prototyping. It's, it's like learning how to communicate different things to different people in different ways. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if you've recognized some of that or seen more of that, especially recently, Absolutely. but it seems like that's been the case. No, I think you're spot on. Um, how do you, you know, kind of changing, um, I don't know, my train of thought a little bit, but how have you been able to stay creative during this time? I mean, especially when, you know, you, you've been able to, to travel a little bit or at least like go home, um, yeah. you know, leave Portland. Um, in some places, like it's, you're able to go outside and, and do that mm -hmm. safely. So there's, there's outlets to go and explore and get a change of scenery. But, but in a lot of cases, we're all just home. And, and uh, how do you stay inspired and you know, uh, stay creative when so much of what are, what's around us is the same? Right. I think uh, for me, uh, creativity being creative as cliche as it might sound it's part of me it's just like something that i i do almost naturally i really love to express myself through making things and when it becomes your job and when it is your job as well to create and make things um you have to direct some of your creativity towards a very spe specific goal and in this case, it's um, designing a shoe, but not as simple as designing a shoe. You know, you're designing an experience and you're telling a story through a product. That's a lot of what industrial or product design is, creating an emotion in a product as well as like solving a problem and creating like better performance, higher performing um, product to enable like an athlete to do better. So, so that's been interesting having to keep my creativity focused on footwear. Uh, I did find myself, my creativity would go towards bread like everybody <laughs> or for a while. And then I, I found myself 
um, learning watercolor a lot more. I, I went through my old craft box, which, you know, looks like, like I'm a hoarder of art supplies and I just got, you know, I want to relabel my craft box that I've just been carrying around the country for like 10 years, my in case of quarantine box, because I've used things that I haven't touched in five years, just in the past, like five months that I've been at home. I've learned these new artistic skills. Um, and, and a lot of my creativity is like showed up in, you know, in cooking and, and finding creative ways to be with my community, which I really value, like my friends and family and um, creative counterparts, my coworkers, all the C words. But um, every Wednesday I was starting to set up this watercolor Wednesday situation. Um, and it started with just my friend local in Portland and we'd hop on a Zoom and we would just hang out. We didn't, we wouldn't have to talk a bunch. We could talk about anything and then just work on our whatever craft that we had going on. Um, and then I invited another friend from Utah. So then we had three people in there and then I invited um, my mom and some friends from California. And it started to grow into this thing where every week we had more people joining and more people um, sharing what they're working on, what they're staying busy with, what they're learning. Um, and I found that to be like really rewarding um, to have consistently and, and be a part of, to be like working on this new skill and also just creating a space for my friends to, to make something or learn a new skill with me, you know, use that creative side. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. And, you know, something that I think we've thought about as a program, right, is trying to instill in students in the program like, or, or trying to attract students who are passionate about creativity and design, right? And that can take a lot of different forms. Like, obviously, there's core skills that we want everyone to get in this program. You know, the sketching, the 3D, the, the digital design, the hands-on. But I, I feel like the students who have done exceptionally well like also have an outlet outside um you know with i mean i'm just thinking about your your ability to watercolor right and pursuing that kind of it doesn't directly impact your work or product design but it's a creative outlet that could influence it um totally. I, i'm thinking about um you know one of our current students he's building a, a guitar right now like <laughs> and going through that whole process and learning a ton about woodworking and it's not an outdoor product. I mean, it's, but I don't think that matters, right? Like he's learning this very hands-on process um, and like developing like this ability to, to handcraft something that is going to benefit him down the road too. And, and kind of another extreme example, we, you know, in another episode of, of um, this series we've been doing, um, I talked with Nicole McLaughlin, um, She's the, she's been doing all the upcycling, right. Um, and has really gained a lot of steam recently and, um, she'll take thrifted stuff and upcycle them into really crazy shoes. You talked to Nicole? Yeah. Yeah. You'll watch that episode. No big deal. Whatever. (laughs) It's amazing. It's, it was really fun. And so you'll have to watch that one. Um, but she was telling me and, and she says this in the episode that, uh, you know, with quarantine, like she's still designing, but she's been playing Animal Crossing, right? And like in Animal Crossing, there's like, you can design your own clothes and like, that's an outlet, (laughs) right? Like, and so I think just like, you know, whatever it is, like staying creative and finding new and different ways to be creative is, is all the more important, especially right now, right? And pursuing whatever that form of creativity is. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you do have to, um, herd your creativity like cats into you know work from in the nine to five schedule but kind of the beauty of this um working from home schedule is you know it can you it can blur the boundaries a little bit of work and life but um you know if you like your work and you're really passionate about it and it's part of your life then you if you have this creative inspiration at like 8 p.m. you're you're kind of at work at home so you can do it maybe take a little longer lunch the next day or start a little later in the morning or or really work at your leisure when these things 
um, when you want to a little right. bit. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple more, I guess, more of the standard questions. Um, Let's do it. You know, how was, how has your experience been at Under Armour so far? I mean, what has that been like just in general? I know pandemic is a, is a part of that experience, but what's it been like to work for, for such a, a big company and, um, you know, be surrounded by such, um, you know, talented people? Um, big company, big question. <laughs> you know, uh, it's really crazy to be like three months out of school and just be immediately inserted into this um, group of people who've been doing this. They're like behemoths in the industry. Then they've been doing it for like 25 or 30 years. You know, you're working with these experts and then I'm coming in as like, you know, an excited noob of sorts <laughs> and like I don't know anything but I but I have the curiosity and the passion and the and some talent so um so that's a little intimidating at times because um there's just Under Armour <laughs> has attracted incredible talent and um, and so there so in some ways you can choose and we all feel it you know a little bit of intimidation but then it's like oh my gosh I work around some of the greatest teachers and there's so many lessons to learn and so many skills to develop and pick up and little pro tips from, you know, maybe the senior designer who sits across from you, like, you know, you do a little skill share on Adobe Illustrator and, and just like that, you're, you're doing things more efficiently and faster than before. Um, you know, Christian Tresser, who is, um, uh, just you know one of those behemoths shoe dogs in the industry um he sat just right behind me and he was on the innovation team in my first month few months at under armor and i and i feel like i learned a lot um from him and seeing his process and and um and just getting to be in that environment with all of these talented people eventually it should sink in. I'll be like, wait, I'm one of those talented people too. <laughs> That's cool. But, um, there's just so much opportunity to, um, I, I'm just constantly in awe really, you know, when I'm working there. That's awesome. What, yeah. what have been some of the most impactful lessons that you've learned like since working in the industry and, and you've had internship experience before, like you've, you've been in the industry, um, you know, with some, some pretty, pretty great companies, uh, mm -hmm. to say the least, but what, what have you learned now coming into this full-time experience? Um, man, well, I, I have learned, a lot. I'm constantly learning. It's just, you know, beginning of this whole career. I've, I've learned, um, some patience and I've also learned when to, um, when to hustle and, and speed up. And, uh, I think there, there's something that I find to be really unique about the footwear industry in particular, at least the footwear like office at Under Armour is the importance of storytelling and um, not just like this is the athlete this is the the race that's coming up and, and these are the colors that we want to use and, and, and this is you know how we did it it's like what inspired you what was impactful about that athlete and the interview you had with them or the relationship that you have with them or, Oh my gosh, anything. So obviously I'm still learning because this story is so good, but um, that that's something that I've learned is really important about the art of designing a sneaker or a cleat or running shoe is like, what's your inspiration and, and how is it impactful internally to your fellow colleagues who are also creative and, and desired to be um, engaged with and inspired. But, you know, that's what people look for. Like when you're wearing a shoe or a product from a brand, you're wearing a, a story that you believe in 
or that has impacted you. Um, and, and that's what I see now, like when I see shoes or jackets or, or tents from um, the North Face or, or, you know, an Allbirds shoe, you know, I'm seeing a story that they have shared. Um, and then how do you capture that story through this new and different language of materials and foam, you know, like foams and design lines and textures? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of mind boggling. I feel like I'm learning a new language. Um, and that language is shoelaces and eyelets and, uh, you know, the toe down view and outsoles, um, cause all of that captures, you know, a, a visual idea. Well, with, with that in mind, kind of learning a new language, I mean, there's no way you can learn like everything in, in a four year program. And there's very like specific things that you can only learn at a company. Um, yeah. But what do you wish you would have learned before getting into the industry? I'm sure there's a lot of things, but, but what do you wish you would have known? What do I wish I would have known? Hmm. Well, I'm really grateful for knowing um, how to sew, how to um, play and iterate through prototyping in a hands-on way. Um, I'm grateful to know like the different initial, like some 3D modeling a little bit at the beginning. Like I feel like a, a master of none sometimes with how many things I know a little bit about from outdoor product design and then a number of things that I know so much about. Um, and what do I wish I'd known more about though? You know, it's always, it's, it's the stuff that you can't always be taught at times and that can be uh, a particular work ethic uh, and things that you have to learn on the job and and I know that I was hired um, right out of college this is this is almost like my extended this is like grad school for me I am learning I have been hired to learn to be curious to be taught and to listen to these people my coworkers and this company and this industry. So, so I, I'm going into it as, as very much so a student mindset, but learning my own creative work ethic and, um, and how to do that in a nine to five schedule and at a desk and um, with specific timelines and expectations and, and colorways and collaborating with other people. So your creativity is on another schedule you know, putting it on a schedule. So um, now all of that is kind of different because I'm at home and I can learn again. So it's thrown off my little <laughs> uh, learning train, but it's also um, just constantly expanding. So I think a lot of it is like uh, a work a work ethic and, and keeping up with the, the pace of the industry. Yeah, I think some of that is like hard to teach in school, like how you learn or how you work. And um, yeah. I think hearing stories like this will inspire other students to start to reflect on that. It's like, like, so. like you said, I don't know if there's a way to teach that, but I think students just need to hear, oh, that, you know, that former student, you know, had to go through this own inter their own internal process and totally. trying I to learn who they are and, and how they think and how they design and what their process is. And, yeah. and I think the earlier you can do that, the better. Totally. And, you know, there's one thing that actually I think was really helpful about my experience at Outdoor Product Design and how it's prepared me for an innovation team in particular. Um, and... And you know, I, I was graduating class of 2019, and that was the first graduating class of this program. So, you know, I entered the program three years prior for its first semester, and, and we had an interim director. The previous director had left. Um, we didn't have, you know, the appropriate staff for the junior and senior years, which didn't even exist yet. There was no upperclassmen. And so your peers were your upperclassmen and well, there weren't any, you know, you just have classmates and it felt like every week there was a new 
something that was happening with the program, whether we hired someone new or a class changed or the, you know, the curriculum would evolve constantly. And there was so much ambiguity in this really exciting program that I was super happy to be a part of. Um, But it was also like, you had to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, with being a little confused or with not having the exact answer or a perfect path carved for you because, you know, that doesn't necessarily exist always. And with innovation teams, at least mine, and I really think all of them, there's so much ambiguity. You're just, you're coming up with an idea that's a little fuzzy and you've been given any amount of time really sometimes to pursue this kind of idea and and you're creating your own path in a lot of ways and it's and it's constantly evolving it's a moving target just like outdoor product design was and um and i think being a part of a program like that um where i'm like where i can pivot um and you have to learn how to do that or how to just like hold on tight and stay committed to this thing that you believe in even though you don't totally see the light at the end of the tunnel, you, you know, it's there or that's not the point, you know, you're just going through this journey, this tunnel um, and learning along the way. Maybe you find a glowing worm while you're in there or something and you are inspired. Who knows? Um, but that being part of an innovation team where it is also quite ambiguous, it's like, I know how to do this. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. That's where I like to be, you know? Yeah. I, I love that. And I think, you know, yeah, definitely the early days of this program, it was the first of its kind, right? And uh, definitely laying the tracks, like, right in front of the train. That, that's kind of how it was yeah. in a way. Um, and, yeah, you, you guys are definitely the guinea pigs in a way. Um, and and I think to our to our credit, right, like, we were bringing in industry feedback. And, and I think one of the really positive parts of the program is just that constant connection with industry that... Um, because industry was telling us to change something, we it would continue to evolve, right? And that's that's life in general. That's like where you're at right now. It's like life is constantly changing. Like your work is always changing. Um, and I think I think you summed it up perfectly, right? Just becoming comfortable with ambiguity, um, with being a little uncomfortable with without having you know without having all the answers. Like that's really important because um, oh, yeah. really you graduate and yeah, there isn't that path anymore. Um, you get to forge your own path and create your own destiny. I mean, that's cliche, but yeah, you get to write that, write that wave. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, which is really daunting for a lot of people. And so I think, um, and you, you did this early on in the program, right? Was trying to like figure out, trying to create your path or at least trying to map it out. Like you can't know for sure, like where everything is going to go and how things are going to work out, but you, you were like constantly trying to create that path. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's really important. Um, and there's ways you can kind of strategize and try to create your own pathway, um, cool. even if it's not laid out in front of you. But a um, couple more questions for you. Oh, but sure, uh, sure. what what are some of your goals as a designer? I know you had some goals within the company and those got thrown out and you're coming up with new goals. But do you have any goals outside of the company for yourself as a, as a designer? Or are those the same goals that you have at Under Armour? What I guess just in general, what are some of your goals as a designer? Hmm. Um, you know, there are some like really concrete goals in this first, you know, uh, chapter of my uh, outside of college design career. Um, and those are um, just getting really proficient with all of the digital tools that we use and efficient <laughs> like fast because that's important um especially illustrator and photoshop because those are kind of classics and you have to know how to use them so those are just some like that's just like one really basic um <laughs> clear thing that i'm trying to do is is be better and and just really fast with those tools and that comes just with working every day in those softwares um and then I guess other goals as a designer, um, I just, I want to make product that is really relevant 
to the world that I, I want to be a part of and that I want to create. And as a designer, I mean, I'm a creator, I'm a maker and, and so much of the product that we have in our world, it, um, it is either inspired by culture or it inspires culture. Um, it's like the chicken before the egg kind of question. And, and I, and I, as like an innovator also, which I mean, okay, I would love to call myself an innovator. That'd be great. And I'm just going to do it now. And hopefully that makes me one, but <laughs> you know, actions before words, you got to talk it into existence for sure. I'm talking it into existence. Exactly. Um, as an innovator, <laughs> I, I have some ability or I have an interest in the future. Uh, and of course I want to be designing a future that I'm excited about and that I want to see. And that future is, is more diverse. It is, um, it is more environmentally friendly, um, sustainable. It is, um, it's less product, but better product. Um, if not really good product, it's all of these things that are aspirational and, and I, and I think we have the ability to, to create that. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I want to align those, this very ambiguous statement that I'm making this vague statement, but, um, you know, I, I just really care about using the creative, um, my creativity and, and the position and the role that I have at Under Armour and, and going into my career to build things that support um, building a, a, a better future, I guess. It's the excitement of innovation, you know? I'm in a 2030 state of mind, always. For me, it's not 2020, <laughs> which can be scary, but. Yeah, I think m most of us don't want it to be 2020 or we're thinking, oh, I wish it was 2030. That would be nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. It would be nice. <laughs> um, Maybe. But what I, you know, I, that was kind of my last question, but any other like parting thoughts um, just in general? Um, One thought that I, that came to me earlier that I just wanted to get in there was if you know how it works, if you know how to make it, um, you're not pushing hard enough or far enough. Um, if it's, innovative in a way and, and that can show up in a different a number of different um, categories of innovation but you know if you if you don't know how to do this then that's really exciting or how to make your idea that's really exciting that's when you start to like move the needle as my boss loves to say <laughs> um like are we moving the needle i think this one does um and uh yeah, I, I don't know. I, what That was just one thing I was thinking about. But No, I think that's great. And I think it dovetails really nicely with, I mean, just the values that you espouse, like that you, you mentioned at the end. Um, yeah, it's like if you want to make stuff that matters, like it, you got to do stuff that probably hasn't been done before, right? So don't be scared off by the ambiguity, by not finding the answer just by doing a quick Google search, right? It's like you got to, Sometimes you have to create that answer and create that path or create a new process or, you know, it's, you, you've got to find that answer for yourself. It sounds like. And I also am not even a year into this, you know, like this is so new. I am so new at this and my baby ideas haven't even been able to like grow out of the, the, I don't know question yet. Um, so, <laughs> so I think, um, I, it's really important for me to remind myself always like, wow, I have just begun. This is, I still have so much to learn and I, just cause I don't have the finished and final answer yet doesn't mean like I'm never going to have it. Um, I'm really glad to have come home and, and gotten some perspective just from talking and processing some of this with my family and realizing, wait, I haven't even had this job for a year. You know, I, I have so, I, I'm still just a sponge really right now. Um, well, try to make some impact, but. 
maybe one more question then for you. How do you balance that humility, right? Like recognizing the position that you're in, that you're really just at the beginning, but also not selling yourself short. Cause I think so many people do that. Um, and, and some t- people come in like way too overconfident, right? Totally. And, and think too much of themselves and their ability when they really should be, you know, have more humility. So, but, but also a lot of people sell themselves too short. So how do you balance that humility and maybe that, that hunger, right. Or, or like recognizing, you know, what you have to offer. Oh man. More conversations with my mom. No. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't, I think I'm still learning how to do that. Um, because it, there is a lot of, yeah, humility that comes with it. And, and, and for me, like, I, you have to be, I'm pretty comfortable with saying, I don't know, but sometimes I do know and I'll still say, I don't know. Um, and that's something, you know, that's a muscle that I'm still developing the, the resilience and the the self-confidence in my, my gut and my intuition and what I believe in and, and my ideas and, and even just the ideas that I'm trying to foster. I don't even have to claim them as my own. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, but um, just having, just strengthening your own intuition as an innovator or, or something like that. So. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to, to end. Um, hmm. If people want to get in touch with you, like how's the best way to do that, to keep up with all things Veronica's career? You know, uh, I do have a LinkedIn as far as all things Veronica's career, uh, Instagram, you know, I'm on the constant delete, redownload, delete, redownload, but, um, you could, you could find me there. Um, I'd be glad if you want to share, uh, the handle. I think it's just like ver underscore Ville, Veronica Villehard. It just works. We'll put it in the show notes as long yeah. as well as your LinkedIn profile, if you're all right with that. So, yeah. And, uh, I'm happy to share my, um, email with any, incoming students or current students i i love the opdd program and all things about it and i'm really grateful for the people that i've met and networked or or had conversations with through it and i think um absolutely it's it's my it's my time to provide what was provided for me um in whatever way that i can well, we didn't want it to get past a year before trying to get you back involved. I mean, you, you can't go too far before we try to rope you back into this. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if we let you go too far away, we, we might lose, we might lose our first graduating class. So, um, you never lose me. I'm always, I'll be here always. That's so. good. Well, you know, you've always been one of our, you know, uh, this whole graduating first graduating classes, they've been, they've been great ambassadors for the, for the program. So, Absolutely. um, and thanks, thanks for all you do and uh, for representing us so well and, and then taking time now. I know you, this is the work day, so we'll <laughs> let you get back you know, to, to your creative work, but thanks for taking time. Thanks for listening to the Highlander Podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on highlandermag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.